0: Welcome to part two of the Way of the Spirit and Network Norwich's podcast, talking about Jesus's baptism according to Mark's Gospel. This talk is delivered to you by Richard George of the Way of the Spirit. And for more information, visit www.thewayofthespirit.com. Well, welcome back to a um, uh, session two uh, as we're considering the baptism of Jesus at the Jordan. We're uh, particularly looking at Mark's account of it, though we will sometimes make reference perhaps to uh, Matthew or Luke or, uh, uh, and other places. Uh, Ma- Mark, of course, is the shortest version, which is why it's, uh, it's slightly easier to handle. And it's the gospel fr- which probably Ma- Matthew and Luke had in front of them when they wrote theirs, of course. But, so I, last week we set the scene by seeing how John the Baptist came, the voice of one calling in the desert, preparing the way for the one who would come after him john the baptist not drawing attention to himself but pointing to jesus and the one who's coming after him and this of course as we said last week was his purpose this was his ministry this is what he was set aside for and uh, this this session i want to just look ro- quite closely at the next verse before we move on to the baptism itself we remember that john had baptized people in the water for a repent- for baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I was suggesting last week that possibly he was saying to people, just get yourselves ready. God's about to do something. Get clean. Repent. Get forgiven. Sort yourself out. Get your heart right. Because, of course, we know God is interested in our hearts, isn't he? Uh, he always has been, of course. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he now can come and really reveal himself to our hearts in a way that he couldn't perhaps in the Old Testament. But Jesus is always after our hearts. He's never just trying to change our behavior. He's after our hearts. He came into a world that was full of do this, don't do that, and boundaries and boundaries around those and legalistic things and law. Because by this time, Israel had learned their lesson. They'd so worshipped other gods, that they got sent off to exile. But they came back, they've learned their lesson, and now they're, they're, they're obeying the law. And boy, they're obeying the law. But it's all legalistic. Jesus has come to do something fresh. And Jesus has come to to do something for the human heart. Uh, And so then, as now, Jesus is always targeting our hearts. He's never targeting our behavior for the sake of it. He is always speaking to our hearts so that we can get ourselves ready for what he wants to do in our lives. The message, get ready, is just as applicable for us today as, as in John the Baptist's time. Get yourself ready. Before we started I suggested you just throw off any burdens and, and anxieties and just open your heart to Jesus. Get yourself ready for what he wants to speak and for what he wants to do in your life. Whether there's a great awakening about to break into the earth starting in Norwich or whether it's about a move of God in your own life. Get yourself ready. Get your heart right for him. For him to come and move. And of course really this whole episode, this as we'll look again later on, this whole event is about the kingdom of god and jesus preaching it but we'll come to that in later sessions so so john the baptist has been baptizing people in water and anyone could do that i mean you we, we we baptized andrew here in the bath not many weeks ago didn't we andrew and that was a wonderful occasion and we've been we've baptized others up in Sheringham in the sea and all sorts of places i'm sure you've um you know, being baptised somewhere or other, and uh, if you haven't, then you need to be. But, so, so, but anyone can do that. It doesn't in, in Africa, they're amazed when I told them it doesn't have to be the pastor who, who baptises them. You know, they're very focused on status and things sometimes in, in, uh, in developing countries, and, and to, it was a real release them to realise, understand that actually, it doesn't have to be the pastor who baptises. Anybody can do it. You could baptise someone in water Very easy, I'm sure many of you have. But... You see, what he's, talk, what he's going to come on in verse 8 is not about baptism in water, but he's trying to talk about baptism in something else. And so he's already said, I'm not worthy to stoop down and undo the sandals of the one who's coming after me. He's the one. But and then just to emphasize and to summarize Jesus' ministry, I'll come back to that, but this is Mark's summary of Jesus' ministry. In choosing to quote this from John the Baptist, he's summarizing Jesus' ministry. And what does he say? He says, I baptise you with water, anyone can do that, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, not anyone can do that. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes people, ca- you know, in meetings, we, we believe the Holy Spirit's leading us to say, "Well, has anyone not been baptized in the Holy Spirit?" And someone will come forward, and I say, "Well, I'm going to pray for you." I said, "But I can't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I'll lay my hands on you and agree in prayer and agree in faith, but it's Him, Jesus, who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit." But let's look at just a, let's, let's examine this a little bit. See what baptism in the Holy Spirit is. If baptism in in water is when you go into the water and get soaked like a dry sponge, you know, a dry sponge is rock hard, and then you immerse it in water and it fills out and becomes something totally different. It comes out all heavy and dripping. It's like when you had your baptism, you had your friend waiting with a towel, probably, and you got out of the baptismal pool and they had your towel and you were dripping water. I know not everyone necessarily goes for the full immersion baptism, but many. Uh, many do, and, and if you have, then that's that's what tends to happen. But but so, what's he talking about? Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, could it be that uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is actually quite similar to baptism in water? Imagine the tank that you got into when you were baptized in water, but this time instead of being full of water, it's full of the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? God co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, he's not the sort of you know, third rank down, he's equal he's God so you get into a, a tank full of the Holy Spirit and you don't just sort of touch it and say well that's fine, that's all, all right. just a bit of the Holy Spirit you go in like a dried sponge and you submerge under the, under the, 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 the Holy Spirit and you're filled with God in such a way that you come out different. Every pore of your being is filled with God. And you're dripping God. <laughs> this is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've, seen, I've been privileged to witness many glorious baptisms in the Holy Spirit. They're not always, they're not always experiential. You know, by faith we, we get beside the Spirit. But, it's a, but you know, there is a tendency, I believe, in the church at large... To downplay the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the biblical phrase. And to satisfy ourselves with something less than baptism in, in the Holy Spirit and satisfy ourselves with like a touch of the Spirit or a renewal of the Spirit. And those things are fine in northern cells, provided they don't replace the biblical concept of baptism in the Spirit. And when you come to Acts, of course, the Apostles, we read many times, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? You know, baptism in the Holy Spirit is essential for our ministries, for us to fulfil that which God has called us to. And we're seeing here that even Jesus, next week, even Jesus is going to be baptised in the Holy Spirit as the Spirit comes down upon him like a dove to equip him for his ministry. Who are we to think we can do anything for God except out of his equipping, his power of first put in us? Now, if we had time, we could spend a lot of time looking at the Old Testament, you see, and understanding exactly where, where Mark gets this from and why he, why he considers it so important and why he considers it the fulfillment of a prophecy. Because many places we read in the Old Testament that God's going to do something like this one day. Joel, for instance, chapter 2, verse 28, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out, not dribble out, or just give them a little touch, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And of course, this is the piece that Peter preaches once he's uh, on the day of Pentecost, when he's fully immersed in God in this way and empowered by God. He had been a broken man, hadn't he? He'd let Jesus down. He was broken. And then he was filled with the power of God and the boldness of God. And out of this boldness, 3,000 people were saved that day. Was it three or four? I can't remember. And, and so here Mark is, is, is summarising Jesus' ministry. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Now note he doesn't say um, Jesus is coming to die on the cross t- so that you can be fr- forgiven for your sins. That would be many people's summary of Jesus' ministry. And it would be quite a reasonable thing to say. But Mark doesn't say that. For Mark, the important thing is not that he died on the cross to forgive us our sins, which he did, of course. But the important thing is that is that there's a so that. He died on the cross... Uh, so that we can be forgiven our sins, so that we could be baptised in the Holy Spirit. You see, how is it possible that God would put his Spirit in us, his Holy Spirit in us, before we're first of all cleansed and made holy? The work of Jesus on the cross, the shedding of his blood, the cleansing for us who then would choose to believe in that, means that we're cleansed of our sin and made holy. God makes us holy. And at that point, we can have the Holy Spirit living in us because he's a Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit won't live in a place that's unholy. So the work of Jesus on the cross was to cleanse us so that the Holy Spirit could dwell within us. And Mark chooses to use the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the summary of Jesus' ministry, rather than anything about the cross. I'm not Please, I'm not belittling the cross. I'm not taking it away from the central place in, in, in our faith. I'm just suggesting that, according to Mark's version at least, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what it's all leading to. And you see, for, for centuries, some, some parts of the church in this country and in the West have lived as though... The cross is, the, is it. We believe in the cross, we've forgiven our sins, and now we wait till we die to go to heaven. But actually, if we, if we can see that we were cleansed of our sins so that he could put his Holy Spirit in us to empower us and to restore relationship with us and to equip us so that we could be his body on earth, and so his kingdom could come on earth as it is in heaven above. Then it really sets a whole different tone for our Christian life and ministry. We're here for a purpose. We're here that God might do something in us and through us with the boldness and the power that he puts in us when we choose to believe him and get cleansed of our sin. So we, we, we don't want half a gospel. We don't want to live with half. The church must not live with half a gospel. The fullness of the gospel is is that we are prepared by Jesus to be filled with the holy spirit and next week we'll come on to look at the baptism itself amen thank you for listening to this podcast for more information on the way of the spirit please visit www.thewayofthespirit.com